I sometimes read uh, public domain books here on Leaves of Glen. And they were written a long time ago, uh, so they're usually uh, racist or sexist or bigoted. Uh, but in there somewhere and all that is a, a story, and that's why those stories are famous. Other times, I read uh, works from independent authors, and they're delightfully not racist, but they might have adult language or adult situations. So that's your warning, uh, but I'm sure you uh, are grown up enough to handle it. Don't write to me complaining. Well, last night I got together with the guy who does my tattoos, and we, uh, we hung out. Uh, his girlfriend made homemade pretzels. So we sat around eating pretzels and talking, and it was a good time. Uh, driving home last night, a crazy rainstorm with a ton of lightning and everything just coming at me. So I was driving out of St. Paul. Uh, and so it was kind of tough to see, and I was going down Highway 94. And uh, then all of a sudden I see a car on the side of the road uh, with a cop car behind it. So I sort of slow down and try to pull off and get away from him. And uh, I noticed that the car that was pulled over, apparently someone had lit it on fire at some point. It was completely bombed out. And all the windows were broken on it. So I guess the cop was there to take sketches. I don't know what he was doing. But that was amazing. How long was that thing burning before a cop decided to show up? Completely insane. And that's kind of the nature of St. Paul. Uh... I worked down there on University Avenue. I saw the craziest things. Uh, a lot of people shouting at you for stuff like cigarettes when you're waiting to take the train home. And, uh, I don't know, horrible things. One time I even saw a sniper pointing a gun uh, at a car that was stopped on the other side of the highway uh, and a whole army of police that had blocked off the highway to keep the cars from going uh, with all their guns pointed at this one man standing by himself with his arms up. Ugh. I hate going to St. Paul. It's basically the worst place on earth. But Minneapolis hasn't been much better lately. Uh, moving on, uh, job hunt is beginning, and it sucks. There's no jobs out there. And uh, I had the HR person from my work reach out to me to say that there may be positions open within the company if you want to slide on over to one. And at this point, the idea of a career that I have pride in, or that I strive to uh, achieve a certain level, I have none of that. I just literally want to get paid, and I own my home, and I can eat food, and that's all I care about. I, career is crap. So there's a chance that if anything's open, I might slide over into another position within the company, uh, a company that laid me off twice with two separate meetings in the same speech. It was amazing. No respect whatsoever, but like the prostitute I am, I'll probably continue to try to work there if possible. Ugh. I have one friend uh, that I've stayed in touch with, and uh, she wants me to come over to her group, but her group's not really hiring. So there's always that hanging over my head. Like, I wonder if I can get in with those people. But how do you do that when they're not specifically wanting to hire anyone? I'm sure there's someone out there that can tell me to, to be confident. Uh, an interview well, but I never buy into that crap. Well, I'm in a bad mood. Why don't we try to finish the uh, Legend of Sleepy Hollow? 
uh, uh, so we already learned about the author. Uh, not really much else to learn about him. He's fairly boring, I think. So I looked up, uh, uh interesting facts behind the, uh, legend of, uh, Sleepy Hollow. It turns out Patch.com, of all places, that's a website that's still going, I guess. Uh, they have something. So I'll just do a, a brief rundown. Patch.com says, Who was Ichabod Crane? Well, the real Ichabod Crane was a gunnery officer who served with Irving during the War of 1812. Irving, however, fashioned the character of his Ichabod Crane after a school teacher named Jesse Merwin from Kinderhook, New York. Uh, he had, Merwin had hired Irving to tutor the sons and daughters of uh, politicians. Uh, don't look for Crane's tombstone in the cemetery. Though he sang in the church choir, he is buried in a family plot on Staten Island. Brom Bones is a compo- composite of two people acquainted with Irving. Abraham Martling, which doesn't sound nearly as tough or awesome, uh, was the village blacksmith, and his son, also named Abraham, was the village cobbler. It is believed the name Brom uh, was derived from Abraham and that Bones was borrowed from the blacksmith uh, who uses a nickname uh, for his skinny son. The Headless Horseman was a German soldier. as a character based on a Hessian soldier, one of the many mercenaries hired by King George to fight Americans during the Revolutionary War. This soldier is believed to have been decapitated by a cannonball during the uh, nearby Battle of White Plains. Uh, a member... Uh, Elizabeth of the Van uh, Tassel family that inhabited the area during the war is credited with giving the headless soldier a proper burial yeah, in the Dutch burial ground to repay kindness from another Hessian soldier who saved her baby from a burning building. The homes of the many residents, including the number of them that belonged to the Van Tassel clan, were burned during the war. There could be a stretch that an unknown dead enemy soldier... Uh, would have been transported about 10 miles from White Plains rather than be buried on or near that battlefield. Irving learned about this story and its interment in the churchyard from the church sexton. Uh, Historians believe the soldier is there, but the exact location cannot be determined due to the multiple layers of graves. Gross. Uh, The old Dutch church is located across a main road from the original Pittsburgh Manor House and the area's popular tourist attraction. Anyways, so there you go. Uh, Fun facts about... uh, the Headless Horseman, and whatnot. All right, let's try to finish this story. Uh, Ichabod was a suitable figure uh, for such a steed. Uh, he rode with short stirrups, uh, which brought his knees nearly up to the pommel of the saddle. His sharp elbows uh, stuck out like uh, grasshoppers, and he carried his whip perpendicularly in his hand like a scepter. And as his horse jogged on, the motion of his arms was not unlike the flapping of a pair of wings. Wow, this is all straight from the Disney cartoon, too. Or the other way around. Whatever. A small wool hat rested on the top of his nose, uh, so for his scanty strip of forehead might be called, and the skirts of the black coat fluttered uh, out almost to the horse's tail. Such was the appearance of Ichabod and his steed as they shambled out of the gate, of the Van Ripper, Hans Van Ripper. It was altogether such an apparition as is seldom to be met uh, within broad daylight. It was, as I have said, a fine autumnal day. Uh, The sky was clear and serene, and nature wore that rich and golden livery which we always associate with the idea of abundance. 
The forest had put on a sober brown and yellow, while some trees of the tenderer kind had been nipped by the frost into brilliant dyes of orange and purple and scarlet. Burp. Streaming files of wild ducks began to make their appearance high in the air. The bark of the squirrel might be heard from the groves of beech and hickory nuts, and the pensive whistle of the quail at intervals from the neighboring stubble field. Yeah, the small birds uh, were taking their farewell banquets. In the fullness of the revelry, they fluttered, uh, chirping and frolicking from bush to bush, and tree to tree, capricious uh, from the very profusion and the variety around them. There was the honest cock robin, uh, the favorite game of stripling sportsmen, uh, with its loud, querulous note, hmm? and the twittering blackbirds flying in sable clouds, and the golden-winged woodpecker with his crimson crest. His broad black gorget, <laughs> splendid plumage, and the cedar bird with its red tipped wings and yellow tipped tail, and its little Montiero cap of feathers, and the blue jay, ah, that noisy coxcomb, in his gay light blue coat and white underclothes, and screaming and chattering and nodding and bobbing and bowing, and pretending to be uh, on good terms with every songster of the grove. Uh, as Ichabod jogged slowly on his way, uh, his eye, ever open to every symptom of culinary abundance, ranged with delight over the treasures of Jolly Autumn. Uh, on all sides, he beheld vast store of apples, uh, some hanging in oppressive opulence on the trees, some gathered uh, into baskets and barrels of the market, others heaped up in rich piles for the cedar press. Farther on, he beheld uh, great fields of Indian corn with his golden ears peeping uh, from their leafy covets and holding out the promise of cakes and a uh, hasty pudding. Oh, he's doing it again. Everything he looks at, uh, he gets all worked into a lather about because basically it's just living food again. And the yellow pumpkins lying beneath them, turning up uh, their fair round bellies to the sun and, and giving... Mm, ample prospects of the most luxurious of pies. <laughs> this is weirdly sexual. And anon, he passed the fragrant buckwheat fields, breathing the odor of the beehive as he beheld them. Soft anticipations stole over his mind of dainty slapjacks, mm, well buttered and garnished with honey and treacle by the delicate little dimpled hand of Katrina Van Tassel, who he also sees as some sort of weird living peach that he can have sex with. Uh, thus feeding his mind with many sweet thoughts and sugared suppositions, he journeyed along the sides of the range of hills, which look out upon some of the goodliest scenes of the mighty Hudson. And the sun gradually wheeled its broad disk, no, he doesn't see this as food, down the west. The wide bosom of the Tappan Zee lay motionless and uh, glassy, Excepting that here and there a gentle undulation waved and prolonged the blue shadow of the distant mountain. Ah, a few amber clouds floated in the sky, and without a breath of air to move them. Ah, the horizon was of a fine golden tint, changing gradually into a pure apple green. Oh, and from that into the deep blue of the mid heaven. A slanting ray lingered on the woody crests of the precipices that overhung some parts of the river, giving greater depth to the dark gray and purple of their rocky sides. Uh, a sloop was loitering in the distance. Oh, I know that to be a boat, in case you don't know. 
uh, dropping slowly down with the tide and her sail hanging uselessly against the mast as the reflection of the sky uh, gleamed along the still water. It seemed as if the vessel it was suspended in the air. Ha <laughs> ha. It was toward evening that Ichabod arrived at the castle. It was a long time to get to the castle of uh, Hervan Tassel, which he found thronged with the pride and flower of the adjacent country. Old farmers, the spare, leathern-faced race, uh, homespun coats and breeches, blue stockings, uh, huge shoes, and magnificent pewter buckles, their brisk, withered little dames in close crimped caps, long-waisted short gowns, homespun petticoats with scissors and pin cushions and gay calico pockets hanging on the outside. Buxom lasses, ah, almost as antiquated as their mothers, excepting wear a straw hat, a fine ribbon, or perhaps a white frock, gave symptoms of city innovation. Yeah, the sons, short square-skirted coats uh, with rows of stupendous brass buttons, uh, and their hair generally cued in the fashion of the times, especially if they could procure an eel skin for the purpose, it being esteemed throughout the country as a potent nourisher and uh, strengthener of the hair. Brom Bones, however, uh, was the hero of the sea, having come into the gathering on his favorite steed, a daredevil, a creature uh, like himself, uh, full of metal of mischief, uh, which no one but himself could manage. Uh, he was, in fact, a noted for preferring vicious animals, giving all kinds of tricks, and kept the rider in constant risk of his neck. For he held a tractable, well-broken horse as unworthy of the lad of spirit. Fain would I pause to dwell upon the world of charms and burst upon the enraptured gaze of my hero. As he entered the state parlor of the Van Tassel mansion, uh, not those of the bevy of buxom lasses with their luxurious display of red and white, uh, but the ample charms of a genuine Dutch country tea table in the sumptuous time of autumn. Such heaped-up platters of cakes of various and almost indescribable indes uh, kinds uh, known only to the experienced Dutch housewives. There was the doughy donut, uh, the tender oily coek, and the crisp and crumbling cruller, sweet cakes, shortcakes, and ginger cakes, and honey cakes, and the whole family of cakes. And then there was the apple pies, oh, the peach pies, the pumpkin pies, uh, besides slices of ham, and smoked beef, and moreover delectable dishes preserved plums, and peaches, and pears, and quinces, not to mention broiled shad, whatever that is, and roasted chickens, uh, together with bowls of milk and cream. Bowls of milk? Weird. All mingled higgledy-piggledy. ha <laughs> ha pretty much as I have enumerated them, with the motherly teapot sending up its clouds of vapor from the midst. Heaven bless the mark. Oh, I want breath and time to discuss this banquet as it deserves. Uh, well, you already have. And I'm too eager to get on with the story. Oh, thank God. Happily, Ichabod Crane was not in so great a hurry as his historian, but did ample justice oh, to every dainty. <laughs> he was a kind and thankful creature uh, whose heart dilated in proportion as his skin was filled with good cheer, and whose spirits rose with eating, as some men's do with drink. I could not help to roll his large eyes around him as he ate, and chuckling with the possibility that he might one day be lord of all this scene, if almost unimaginable luxury and splendor, that he thought, uh, how soon he'd turn his back upon the old schoolhouse, uh, snap his fingers in the face of Van Hounds Van Ripper, and every other, ooh, inwardly patron, <laughs> oh, wow, that almost got read out loud. Oh, boy. And kick that iterant uh, pedagogue out the doors that should dare to call him comrade. 
Old Baltus Van Tassel moved about among his guests with a face dilated with content and good humor. Round and jolly as the harvest moon, uh, his hospitable attentions were brief but expensive. Being confined to a shake of the hand, a slap of the shoulder, a loud laugh, and a pressing invitation to fall to and help themselves. And now, uh, the sound of the music from the common room or hall summoned to the dance. And the musician was an old gray-headed, ugh, N-word, who had been the iterant orchestra of the neighborhood for more than half a century. What is with all the racism in here? (laughs) This one, this N-word, is not the real bad one you think it is. It's more of the term they used at the time, which was still horrible, but uh, I'm sure the author wasn't trying to be insulting. But the other two that I had to read out loud were pretty bad. Uh, especially the last one. The N-word Lee Patron. Uh, who had been the internet orchestra of the neighborhood for more than half a century. His instrument was as old and battered as himself. The greater part of the time, he scraped on two or three strings, accompanying every movement of the bow with a motion of the head, bowing almost to the ground and stamping with his foot Uh, whenever a fresh couple were to start. Ichabod prided himself upon his dancing as much as upon his vocal powers. Not a limb, not a fiber about him was idle. And to have seen his loosely hung frame in full motion and clattering about the room, you would have thought St. Venus himself, the blessed patron of the dance, was figuring before you in person. He was the admiration of all the N-words, uh, who, having gathered of all ages and sizes from the farm and the neighborhood, stood forming a pyramid of shining black faces at every door and window. This is getting so annoying. Grazing with delight at the scene, uh, rolling their white eyeballs, oh my God, and showing grinning rows of ivory from ear to ear. Uh, how would the flogger uh, virgins be otherwise an animated and joyous? The lady of his heart was his partner in the dance and smiling graciously uh, in reply to all the amorous oglings, while Brom Bones, uh, sorely smitten with love and jealousy, sat brooding by himself in one corner. When the dance was at an end, uh, Ichabod was attracted to a knot of the sager folks, who, uh, with old Van Tassel, sat smoking at one end of the piazza, gossiping over former times, and drawing out long stories about the war. This neighborhood, uh, at the time of which I am speaking, was one of those highly favored places which abound with chronicle and great men. Oh, the British and American line had run uh, near it during the war. It had, therefore, been the scene of marauding and infested with refugees, cowboys, and all kinds of sober chivalry. Uh, just sufficient time had elapsed to enable each storyteller to dress up his tale with a little becoming fiction, and in the indistinctness of his recollection, to make himself the hero of every exploit. There was the story of Dafu Martling, a large, blue-bearded Dutchman, who had nearly taken a British frigate with an old iron nine-pounder from a mud breastwork, whatever all that meant, only that his gun burst at the sixth discharge. Then there was the old gentleman who shall be nameless, being too rich a miner to be lightly mentioned, who, in the Battle of the White Plains, being an excellent master of defense, parried ah, a musket ball with a small sword, insomuch that he absolutely felt it whiz round the blade and glance off at the hilt, in proof of which he was ready at any time to show the sword, uh, with a hilt, uh, a little bent. There are several more that have been equally great in the field, not one of whom, but was persuaded that he had a considerable hand in bringing the war to a happy termination. 
All these were nothing to the tales of ghosts uh, and apparitions that succeeded. The neighborhood is rich in legendary treasures of the kind. Local tales and superstitions thrive best in these sheltered, long-settled retreats, but are trampled underfoot by the shifting throng that forms the population of most of our country places. Uh, besides, there's no encouragement for ghosts in most of our villages. Never they scarcely had time to finish their first nap turned themselves in their graves before their surviving friends had traveled away from the neighborhood so that when they turn out at night to walk their rounds, they have uh, no acquaintance left to call upon. This is perhaps the reason why we so seldom hear of ghosts except in our long-established Dutch communities. The immediate cause, however, of, uh, of the prevalent supernatural stories in these parts was doubtless owing to the vicinity of Sleepy Hollow. There's a contagion in the very air that blew from that haunted region. It breathed forth an atmosphere of dreams and fancies infecting all the land. Several of the Sleepy Hollow people were present at Van Tassel's and, as usual, were doling out their wild and wonderful legends. Uh, many dismal tales were told about funeral trains and mourning cries and wailings heard and seen about the great tree where the unfortunate Major Andre was taken. Uh, which stood in the neighborhood. Uh, some mentioned that he made also of the woman in white that haunted the dark glen at Raven Rock uh, and was offered her to, uh, to shriek uh, winter nights uh, before a storm. Well, that's nice. It's kind of like getting an alert on your phone when bad weather's coming. Having perished there in the snow, the chief part of the stories, however, uh, turned upon the favorite specter of Sleepy Hollow, the Headless Horseman. We're finally getting to it. Uh, who had been heard several times of late patrolling the country and, it is said, tethered his horse nightly among the graves in the churchyard. Uh, this sequestered situation in the church uh, always said made it a favorite haunt of the troubled spirits. It stands on a knoll uh, surrounded by locust trees and lofty elms from among which is its decent whitewashed wall shine modestly forth like Christian purity beaming through the shades of Retirement. A gentle slope descends from its silver sheet of water, uh, bordered by high trees, between which peeps may be caught at the blue hills of the Hudson. Uh, to look upon its grass-grown yard, where the sunbeams seem to sleep so quietly, uh, one would think that there was at least the dead might rest in peace. Uh, on one side of the church extends a wide woody dell, along which raves a large brook among broken rocks and trunks of fallen trees. Over a deep black part of the stream, not far from the church, was firmly thrown a wooden bridge. Uh, the road that led to it and the bridge itself were thickly shaded by overhanging trees, which cast a gloom about it. Even in the daytime, this is starting to get really boring. But, I mean, we're learning a lot about this <laughs> church. Such was the favorite haunts of the Headless Horseman, the place where he most frequently encountered. The tale was told of old Bower... Uh, a most heretical disbeliever in ghosts, and how he met the horseman returning from his foray into Sleepy Hollow, and was obliged to get up behind him. Oh, how they galloped over bush and brake, over hill and swamp, until they reached the bridge, when the horseman suddenly turned into a skeleton and threw old Bower into the brook. It sprang away over the treetops with a clap of thunder. He sprang over the treetops? This story was immediately matched by thrice marvelous adventure of Brom Bones, who made light of the galloping Hessian as an errant jockey. He affirmed that on returning one night from the neighboring village of Sing Sing, he had been overtaken uh, by this midnight trooper that he had offered to race with him for a bowl of punch. And it should have won, too, for Daredevil beat the goblin horse all hollow. 
but just as they came to the church bridge, the Hessian bolted and vanished in a flash of fire. All these tales, uh, told in the drowsy undertone in which men talk in the dark, the countenances of listeners, uh, only now and then uh, receiving a casual gleam from the glare of a pipe, sank deep in the mind of Ichabod. He repaid them in kind with large extracts from his invaluable author, Cotton Mather, and added many marvelous events that had taken place in his native state of Connecticut, and fearful sights which he had seen in his nightly walks about Sleepy Hollow. The revel now gradually broke up. Their old farmers gathered together their families and their wagons and were heard uh, for some time rattling along the hollow roads uh, over the distant hills. Some damsels mounted on pillars uh, behind their favorite swains and their light-hearted laughter, mingling with the clatter of hooves, uh, echoed along the side of the woodlands. Sounding fainter and fainter until they gradually died away, and then the late scene of the noise of the frolic was all silent deserted. Ichabod only lingered behind, according to the custom of country lovers, to have a tete-a-tete with the heiress, fully convinced that he was now on the high road to success. What passed at this interview, I will not pretend to say, for in fact, I, I don't know. Something, however, uh, I fear me, must have gone wrong, for it certainly sallied forth after no very great interval, uh, with an air quite desolate uh, and chapfallen. All these women! All these women! Could that girl have been playing off any of her coquettish tricks? Uh, was her encouragement to the poor pedagogue all a mere sham to secure her conquest of his rival? Oh, heaven only knows. Not I! Let it suffice to say, Ichabod stole forth with an air of one who had been sacking a hen roost. Rather than a fair lady's heart, without looking into the night or right or left and notice the scene of rural wealth on which he had so often gloated, he went straight to the stable and with several hearty cuffs and kicks roused his steed most uncourteously from the comfortable quarters in which he was soundly sleeping, dreaming of mountains and corn and oats in the whole valleys of, of Timothy and Clover. It was a very witching time of night that Ichabod, heavy-hearted and crestfallen, pursued his travels homewards along the sides of the lofty hills which rise above Terrytown, which he, he had traversed so cheerily in the afternoon uh, the hour was dismal as himself. Far below him, the Tappan Zee spread its dusky and indistinct waste of waters, and here and there with the tall uh, going into a lot of detail about the environment again. In the dead hush of midnight, he could even hear the barking of the watchdog of the opposite shore of the Hudson. It was also vague and distant as to have an idea of his distance from his faithful companion of man. Now and then, too, the long-drawn crowing of a cock accidentally awakened would sound far, far off from the Frymhouse way over the hills. But it was like a dreaming sound in his ear. No signs of life occurred near him, but occasionally the melancholy chirp of a cricket, or perhaps the guttural twang of a bullfrog uh, from a neighboring marsh, as if sleeping uncomfortably and turning suddenly in his bed. All the stories of ghosts and goblins that he had heard in the afternoon now came crowding upon his recollection. And the night grew darker and darker, and the stars seemed to sink deeper into the sky. The driving clouds occasionally hit them from his sight. Mm. He never felt so lonely and dismal. He was, moreover, approaching the very place where many of the scenes of the ghost stories had been laid. In the center of the road uh, stood an enormous tulip tree, which towered like a giant above all other trees of the neighborhood and formed a kind of a landmark. Ah, its limbs were gnarled, fantastic, large enough to form trunks for ordinary trees, uh, twisting almost down to the earth and rising again in the air and was connected with the tragical story of the unfortunate Andre, who had been taken prisoner hard by and was universally known by the name of Major Andre's Tree. 
The common people regarded it with a mixture of respect and superstition, partly out of sympathy for the fate of the ill-starred namesake and partly from the tales of the strangest sights and doleful lamentations told concerning it. As Ichabod approached his fearful tree, uh, he began to whistle. I thought his whistle uh, was answered, but it was a blast of sweeping sharply through... But it was a blast sweeping sharply through the dry branches. I don't know why I had a tough time processing that line. As he approached a little nearer, he thought he saw something white hanging in the midst of the tree. And he paused and ceased whistling. At, uh, looking more narrowly, he perceived that it was a place where the tree had been scathed by lightning and the white wood laid bare. Suddenly he heard a groan. All his teeth chattered. His knees smote against the saddle. Burp. But it was the rubbing one huge bow upon another, and they were swayed about by the breeze. Only past the tree in safety, but new perils lay before him. About two hundred yards from the tree, a small brook crossed the road, and he ran to a marshy and thickly wooded glen, uh, known by the name of Wiley Swamp. Uh, a few rough logs lay side by side, served for a, a bridge over the stream. But on that side of the road, where the brook entered the wood, a group of oaks uh, and chestnuts, matted thick with wild grapevines, threw a cavernous gloom over it. To pass this bridge uh, was the severest trial, and it is at this identical spot that the fortunate Andre was captured, and under the covert of the chestnuts and the vines with a sturdy yeoman concealed who surprised him. Uh, this has ever since been considered a haunted stream. Uh, fearful are the feelings of the schoolboy who has to pass it alone in the dark. As he approached the stream, his heart began to thump. Now he summered up, however, all his resolution, gave his horse half a score of kicks in the ribs, and attempted to dash briskly across the bridge, but instead of startling forward, the perverse old animal made a, a lateral movement and ran broadside against the fence. Uh, Ichabod, whose fears increased with delay, had jerked the reins on the other side and kicked lustily with the contrary foot. I was all in vain. His steed started, it is true, but it only to uh, plunge to the opposite side of the road into a thicket of brambles and alder bushes. The schoolmaster now uh, bestowed both whip and heel upon the straveling ribs of the old gunpowder, who dashed forward, uh, snuffling and snorting. It came to a stand by the bridge uh, with a suddenness uh, that had nearly sent his rider sprawling over his head. Just at this moment, a plashy tramp by the side of the bridge caught the sensitive ear of Ichabod. What's a plashy tramp? Why is suddenly everything not making sense to me? Am I having a stroke? In the dark shadow of the grove, on the margin of the brook, he beheld something huge, misshapen and towering. Oh, it stirred not, but uh, seemed gathered up in the gloom, like, uh, like uh, some gigantic monster ready to spring upon the traveler. Oh, the hair of the affrighted pedagogue uh, rose upon his head with terror. Uh, what was to be done? Uh, to turn and fly now was too late, and besides, what chance was there of escaping ghost or goblin? If such it was, uh, which could ride upon the wings of the wind? Summoning up, therefore, a show of courage, he demanded in stammering accents, uh, Who are you? He received no reply. He repeated his demand in a still more agitated voice. Still there was no answer. Once more... He cajoled the size of the inflexible gunpowder and, shutting his eyes, broke forth with involuntary fervor into a, a psalm tune. Just then, the shadowy object of alarm put itself in motion. It, with a scramble and a bound, stood at once in the middle of the road, 
And through the night was dark and dismal, yet the form of the unknown might now in some degree be ascertained. He appeared to be a horseman of, uh, of large dimensions, and mounted on the back of the horse of a powerful frame. He made no offer of molestation or sociability, but kept aloof on uh, one side of the road, jogging along on the blind side of the old gunpowder who had now got over his fright and waywardness. Ichabod, who uh, had no relish for this strange midnight companion, and bethought himself of the adventure of Brom Bones with the galloping Hessian, now quickened his steed in hopes of leaving him behind. The stranger, however, quickened his horse to an equal pace. Aha! Ichabod pulled up and fell into a walk, thinking to lag behind. Ah, but the other did the same. His heart began to sink with him, and he endeavored to resume his psalm tune, uh, but his parched tongue clove to the roof of his mouth, and he could not utter a stave. Uh, there was something in the moody and dogged silence of this pernicious companion uh, that was mysterious and appalling. It was soon uh, fearfully accounted for on mounting a rising ground, which brought the figure of his fellow traveler in relief against the sky, gigantic in height, and muffled in a cloak. Ichabod was... Uh, horror-struck on perceiving that he was uh, 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 headless. But this horror was still more increased on observing that the head, which should have rested on his shoulders, was carried before him on the pommel of his saddle. Oh, his terror rose to desperation. He rained a shower of kicks and blows upon gunpowder, hoping by a sudden moment to give his companion the, the, give him, give him the slip. But the specters started to fall in a jump with him. Away then, they dashed through the thick and the thin, stones flying and sparks flashing at every bound. Uh, Ichabod's flimsy garments fluttered in the air as he stretched his long, lank body away over his horse's head. In the eagerness of his flight, they had now reached the road, which turns off to Sleepy Hollow, but Gunpowder, who seemed possessed with a demon, instead of keeping it up, uh, made an opposite turn. Oh, and plunged headlong down the hill to the left. And the road leads through the sandy hollow shaded by trees for about a quarter of a mile, where it crosses the bridge famous in Goblin Story, or just beyond swells the green knoll, which stands out in the whitewashed church. As yet the panic of the steed had given his unskillful rider an apparent advantage in the chase, eh, but just as he had gotten halfway through the hollow, the girths of the saddle gave way, and he felt it slipping from under him. I seized it by the pommel, and endeavored to hold it firm, but in vain, and just uh, in time to save himself by clasping old gunpowder around the neck. And when the saddle fell to the earth, he heard it trampled underfoot by his pursuer. For, for a moment of terror of Han von Ripper's path, wrath passed across his mind. For it was his Sunday saddle. But it was no time for petty fears. The goblin was hard on his haunches, and the unskilled rider that he was, uh, he had much ado to maintain his seat. Uh, sometimes slipping on one side, sometimes slipping on the other, and sometimes jolted with a high ridge of the horse's backbone with a violence that he had verily feared would cleave him asunder. An opening of the trees now cheered him with the hopes that the church bridge was at hand. The wavering reflection of a silver star in the bosom of the brook told him that he was not mistaken. He saw the walls of the church uh, dimly glaring under the trees beyond. Uh, he recollected the place where Brom Bones' ghostly competitor had disappeared. If I could but reach that bridge, thought Ichabod, I am safe. Just then he heard the black steed panting and blowing close behind him. He even fancied that he felt his... His hot breath. Another convulsive kick in the ribs, and the old gunpowder sprang upon the bridge, 
He thundered over the resounding planks and gained the opposite side and was now Ichabod cast a look behind to see if his pursuer should vanish, according to rule, in a flash of fire and brimstone. Just then he saw the goblin rising in his stirrups and the very act of hurling his head at him. Ichabod endeavored to dodge the horrible missile, but it was too late. He encountered his cranium with a tremendous crash, and he was tumbled headlong into the dust. And Gunpowder, the black steed, and the goblin rider passed by like a whirlwind. The next morning, the old horse was found without a saddle, and with the bridle under his feet, soberly cropping the grass at his master's gate, Ichabod did not make his appearance at breakfast. Dinner hour came, but no Ichabod. The boys assembled at the schoolhouse and strolled idly by the banks of the brook, but no schoolmaster. Hans von Ripper now began to feel some uneasiness about the fate of poor Ichabod and his saddle. An inquiry was set on foot, and after diligent investigation, uh, investigation, wow, I said that like a Frenchman, they came upon his traces. In one part of the road leading to the church was found the saddle trampled in the dirt and the tracks of horses' hooves deeply dented in the road, and evidently at furious speed. Uh, were traced to the bridge, beyond which, on the bank of the road, part of the brook, where the water ran deep and black, was found the hat of the unfortunate Ichabod, and close beside it, a shattered pumpkin. The brook was searched, but the body of the schoolmaster was not to be discovered. Hans von Ripper, as executor of his estate, examined the bundle, which contained all his worldly effects. They consisted of two shirts uh, and a half, uh, two socks, uh, for the neck, a pair of old worsted stockings, and an old pair of corduroy small clothes, a rusty razor, a book of psalm tunes uh, full of dog's ears, and a broken pitch pipe. As to the books and the furniture of the schoolhouse, they belonged to the community, except in Cotton Mather's History of Witchcraft, a New England almanac, and a book of dreams uh, and fortune telling, which the last was a sheet of fool's cap must be scribbled and blotted in several fruitless attempts to make a copy of verses in honor of the heiress von Tassel. These magic books and the poetic scrawl were forthwith consigned to the flames by Hans von Ripper, who from time forward determined to send his children no more to school, observing they never knew any good come of the same reading and writing, whatever money the schoolmaster possessed, and he received the quarter's payment uh, a day or two before he must have had about his person at the time of his disappearance. The mysterious event caused much speculation in the church the following Sunday. Oh, this is probably where we're going to spend like page after page reading the details <laughs> when the story's pretty much over. Knots of gazers and gossips were collecting the churchyard at the bridge at the spot where the hat and the pumpkin had been found. The stories of Brower of Bones and the whole budget of others were called to mind, and they had diligently considered them all and compared them with the symptoms of the present case. Oh, they shook their heads and came to the conclusion that Ichabod had been carried off by the galloping Hessian. As he was a bachelor, and nobody's dead, nobody troubled his head any more about him. The school was removed to a different quarter of the hollow, and another pedagogue reigned in his stead. It is true, an old farmer who had been down New York on several visits years after, from whom this account of the ghostly adventure was received, brought home the intelligence that Ichabod Crane was still alive, uh, and that he had left the neighborhood partly through fear of the goblin and Hans von Ripper, and partly in mortification at having been suddenly dismissed by the heiress. 
and that he had changed his quarters to a distant part of the country, had kept school and studied law at the same time, had been admitted to the bar, uh, turned politician, electioneered, written for the newspapers, and finally been made a justice of the ten-pound court. Brown Bones, too, who shortly after his rival's disappearance conducted the blooming Katrina in triumph to the altar, was observed to look exceedingly knowing wherever the story of Ichabod was related, and always burst into a hearty laugh, ah, at the mention of the pumpkin which led to some suspect that he knew more about the matter than he chose to tell. The old country wives, however, who are best judges of these matters, maintain to this day that Ichabod was spirited away by supernatural means. And it is a favorite story often told about the neighborhood around the winter evening fire. The bridge became more than ever an object of a superstitious awe. And that may be the reason why the road had been altered of late years, so as to approach the church by the border of the mill pond. The schoolhouse, being deserted, soon fell to decay, and was reported to be haunted uh, by the ghost of the unfortunate pedagogue. Uh, and the plowboy, uh, loitering homeward in the still summer evening, has often fancied of his voice at a distance, chanting a melody psalm tune among the tranquil solitudes of Sleepy Hollow. Postscript found in the handwriting of Mr. Knickerbocker. The preceding tale is given almost in the precise words of which I heard it related at a corporation meeting at the ancient city of Manhattos, at which there were present many of its sagest and most illustrious burgers. B-U-R-G-H-E-R-S. Why is all this weird to me right now? The narrator was a pleasant, uh, shabby, gentlemanly old fellow in pepper and salt clothes and sadly humorous face, and one who I strongly suspected of being uh, poor. Yeah. He made such efforts to be entertaining. When his story was concluded, there was uh, much laughter and approbation, particularly from two or three deputy aldermen who had been asleep the greater part of the time. There was, uh, however, one tall, dry-looking old gentleman, yeah, with beetling eyebrows, who maintained a grave and rather severe face throughout. Now and then, folding his arms, inclining his head, and looking down upon the floor, as if turning a doubt over his mind, eh, he was one of your wary men, who never laugh, but on good grounds, uh, when they have no reason to law on their side. And when the mirth of the rest of the company subsided, the silence was restored, and he leaned on one arm and elbow of his chair, and sticking the other akimbo, demanded, with a slight but exceedingly sage motion of the head and a concoction of the brow. Well, there's his moralist story. Yeah, what do you want to prove? The storyteller, who was just putting a glass of wine to his lips as a refreshment after his toils, paused for a moment, uh, looked at his inquirer with an air of infinite deference, and, lowering the glass slowly to the table, observed that the story was intended uh, most logically to prove uh, there's no situation in life uh, but as its advantages and pleasures, provided we will but take a, a joke as we find it. That, uh, therefore, he that runs races uh, with goblin troopers is likely to have a, a rough riding of it. Ergo, uh, for a country schoolmaster to be refused the hand of a Dutch heiress is a certain step to high preferment in the state. Yeah, the cautious old gentleman knit his brows tenfold burp, closer to his explanation, uh, being sorely puzzled by the radio recitation. <laughs> I'm not going to even look that one up. Of the syllogism. I'm not looking that one up either. While the thought, uh, the one in salt and pepper, eyed him with something of a triumphant leer. At length, he observed that all was very well. 
but still he thought the story a little on the extravagant. There were one or two points at which he found he had doubts. Faith, sir, replied the storyteller, as to the matter, I don't believe one half of it myself. Oh, the end. <laughs> I read that awkwardly because I didn't know the last page was the very next uh, one. Okay, well, there's that. Well, I remember as a, as a kid, back in 1983, uh, they played this uh, truncated version of this story on a record player for the class. I don't know what class it was. And they had everyone listen to it, and we had to sit there quietly listening. And then finally when the record was done, the teacher stopped and said, So, do you think he died, or do you think he lived? Because they didn't have the part at the end about uh, clearly Ichabod Crane sitting at this weird meeting where everyone's telling a story at work or some sort of convention. And uh, the teacher, do you think he died or not? And I just thought, well, clearly he's alive, right? Because someone said they saw him. And uh, you don't get killed by a pumpkin to the head, usually. Uh, the teacher goes, I don't know. Yeah. You think he, you sure? You sure he lived? And I'm like, well, not, do you know something I don't know? And they're like, yeah, it's open for interpretation. And then I just got annoyed. Like, put a bow on this thing. If you're going to make me read this story or listen to it on a record, uh, at least give me a satisfying ending instead of I have to guess and wonder as if somehow it makes the story last forever in your mind without a conclusion. I was just annoyed. So here, clearly, I could claim In case anyone's wondering, oh, I wonder if he lived. He lived. He lived. He went out of town. His girlfriend dumped him because he kept thinking of her like a some sort of food. He probably said something to the effect of, uh, hey, you, you look all soft like a peach. I want to so I want to take a bite out of you. And then she probably said, oh my God, get the hell out of my house. And that's the reason why he went home dejected. And then, uh, you know, then a bully came around and threw food at him, which probably confused him sexually, if anything. And that's probably the reason why he left. So he's fine. He went out of town and took his weird twisted fetish to the big city where he's probably paid someone to let him pretend he's eating him. Or I don't know what. What do we learn from this? Uh... Eh, if you're going to be a sniveling little whiny weirdo who's suddenly getting big on your britches where you think you're going to be moving into, you're just going to be absorbing this woman's parents' house and just a lot of hubris when, you, when you're not Brom Bones. Brom Bones can have the hubris, but uh, you're not going to have the hubris. Your, your chances are 25%. Uh, Brom Bones is... A magnificent creature, and I was rooting for him the entire time. I would let him beat me up at any time. He's like a giant oak tree of a man I just respect and am in awe of. So that's pretty much it. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get another episode kicked out before I have my kids, but, uh, eh, it's Halloween. It's uh, loosey-goosey month. Anything goes, so we'll see what I come up with. Uh, well, thanks for listening. And I will see you soon.